0: My 7 Chakras, episode 233.
1: Almost everything will work again if you unplug it for a few minutes, including you. The 7 Chakras, swirling vortices of
0: energy, positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers, and could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to my seven chakras, and now your host, Aditya Jaikumar. Kumar. Kumar. What's up Action Tribe, AJ here, host and founder of My 7 Chakras, the show where we dive deep into the ancient world to uncover nuggets of wisdom that will transform your life. So if this is the first time you are listening, then know that you have arrived at the right podcast. My goal as always is to enable you to take action in your life. So if you are a regular listener, if you are an action taker, then make sure you help us spread the word of the show by sharing something on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram or YouTube. If your life has changed, if you feel motivated, if you feel inspired, or if you've changed the way you look at life or challenges because of listening to the show, then make sure you take a moment to share something on social media using the hashtag my7chakras and hashtag action tribe that's hashtag my7chakras and hashtag action tribe and if you're new to the show welcome to my7chakras your first step would be to download the official reading list which consists of 21 must-read spiritual books that have been recommended on the show and that I highly recommend. the link you need is my7chakras.com forward slash reading list it's very simple it's our website my7chakras.com forward slash reading list now, some of the awesome books that are on this list are The Alchemist by Polo Coelho, Hands of Light by Barbara Brennan, Energy Medicine by Donna Eden, and Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, which is one of my favorites. So if you want to get hold of the entire list, uh, you can just leave your email address at my7chakras.com forward slash reading list. And with that out of the way, we are now ready to bring you our awesome guest for today, Scott Stabile. So Scott, are you ready to inspire? I'm
1: absolutely ready to inspire.
0: Great, great. So author and social media sensation Scott Stabil, whose inspirational posts and videos have attracted a huge and devoted social media following, is here on our show today. Uh, scott's parents were murdered when he was 14 nine years later his brother died of a heroin overdose soon after that he joined a cult that dominated his life for 13 years before he summoned the courage to walk away through his latest book big love the power of living with a wide open heart scott shares how through it all he has become even more committed to living a life from love while encouraging each of us to do the same so scott welcome to our show Thank you so much, AJ. Very happy to be here. Wonderful. So thanks a lot for joining me today. And it seems like a theme, you know, I don't know, it's synchronicity, but the last few guests that we've had on our show, all have been talking about some aspect of love, uh, you know, and the power of the heart and uh, stuff that we know through science, but also stuff that we can't quite fathom yet and maybe people are doing research to really find out what is it that is in our hearts that uh, makes us more powerful, that allows us to heal, that allows us to forgive and and do so many things. So we're going to explore some more aspects of love, our heart, and the power to forgive and things like that. But before that, let's begin with some inspiration. My question is, what is your favorite inspirational quote and how does that apply in your life.
1: Well, I have a few, but I'm going to, I thought of this one because it applies to my life right now. It's almost everything will work again if you unplug it for a few minutes, including you. And that's a quote by Anne Lamott, who's a wonderful writer, thinker, humanitarian. And the quote speaks to me, um, just the, the notion of unplugging, you know, taking time to, remove yourself from all the insanity that we see in this world and from the noise of our minds and offering ourselves some you know deep breaths and some conscious deliberate time uh with ourselves in peace i think it goes a long 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 way even if it's only a few minutes a day
0: wonderful i love this quote and in fact today i was you know, intuitively practicing this quote. Because the thing is that uh, I love going to the coffee shop. And sometimes when I go to the coffee shop, I tend to take my laptop along with me so that I can Mm -hmm. get some work done. Uh, But this morning, and in fact, over the last few weeks, I have this routine where I maybe go to a coffee shop, especially on a Saturday or a Sunday morning, and I don't take my laptop. I just take a book that I want to read and I get a coffee. I don't even get breakfast. I just get coffee. And it's sort of this meditative contemplative moments that i share with myself and the book and the author who wrote the book but again it reminds me of your quote that you shared today almost everything will work again if you unplug it for a few moments even absolutely. you so absolutely i love, love this quote thanks a lot for sharing and with that let's dive in uh, scott what inspired you to name your book big love
1: well i mean i'm a big fan of love first and foremost that's the main thing i tend to talk and, and write about, and I, uh, my Facebook community, which has grown quite large over the past several years, one of my most common sign-offs to the community is "big love." So it seemed like the obvious, uh, the obvious choice for the book, mm-hmm. because also the book, it, everything that I'm writing about, ultimately. And I, I'm talking about love in action and the way that love serves our lives. So for me, the bigger, the better.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. And I've been reading about language these days and imagery and that humans, before even learning language, used to think in terms of images. And when you shared that big love, I imagined it was either you or somebody in a big hot air balloon and the balloon was shaped. Uh like a heart you know floating above yeah. the earth but tell us what's it like living with a wide open heart you know what is what is life like um
1: well first of all my heart isn't always wide open so okay. i think like yep. what it's what it's like it, for me it's it's changed my life i mean love more than anything and when i speak of love i'm speaking of the energy of love that I believe is, um, once you get beyond all the noise and the busyness of this world, that's what we're left with this beautiful ocean of love from which we can think and act and connect with other human beings. So, when I started to realize that I can't always choose my thoughts, you know, our thoughts are playing out often before we have a chance to consider them. Um, I can always choose my actions, you know, and And by choosing my actions and choosing to act from love in my life and opening my heart in that way to the people in the world, the people whom I'm close with in my life, to perfect strangers, to people on social media, um, it's it opens you up to completely different kinds of connections with human beings and with yourself, Mm -hmm. because that's. Let's not forget that in opening, you know, trying to live with a wide open heart and to be as loving as possible, that's not only in the way that we interact with other people. It's it's also in the way that we connect with ourselves and what we allow, what kind of mind chatter we allow to play out, what kind of self-abuse we allow to play out, and the way we move from that into a loving space.
0: Got it. So, love what you said. You can't always choose your thoughts because thoughts come Within a microsecond, you know, without any warning and those thoughts then might, you know, transform into an emotion or a feeling, but you can choose how you react to those thoughts. And if you are consistent and disciplined with how your approach is, you can actually change your life and how you interact with your friends and community and relatives uh, because at the end of the day especially in social media is uh, you know if you are trying to make a change influencing lives then you're in a vulnerable position and people who love you can share good feelings and wives but there are also those people who might be able to attack you on social media Absolutely. and so you are in a very uh in a difficult position sometimes uh, but let's take a few steps back uh, when did you first reconnect with the power of love, was there like an aha moment for you? And I'm saying reconnect because I believe that all of us, when we are born, we are deeply connected with love, but sometimes we tend to lose it. So in your case, was it a reconnection with the power of love at some stage in your life? Yeah, I
1: would say in the I I graduated from college in '93 and I moved out to San Francisco, and one of the first jobs that I got. Well, the first job I got was actually as a, a law clerk in uh, for at a law firm because I thought I wanted to become an attorney at the time, mm-hmm. and my experience in that, and this is not a comment on attorneys, I have a lot of attorney friends, but my experience in that world was completely miserable, and this was my first job out of school, and my... My first job in the proper workforce, and I was living in San Francisco and excited to be there, and yet I was showing up to work in this environment where a lot of the people I was surrounded by seemed incredibly unhappy Mm -hmm. and incredibly anxious a lot. And I saw myself becoming that way, and I quit that job after seven months, and it was a really – me uh this moment where i made a commitment to myself i said you know what i am i'm not going to compromise my happiness for work like i don't i do not need to do that moving forward and i mostly stayed true to that commitment i've quit a lot, a lot of jobs uh, <laughs> after not a lot of time at them yeah. either but but it was after that i got a job at a new age gift shop in the haight ashbury district of san francisco which was you know during the time of the, in the late '60s, in the summer of love, that was the big hippie district where the Grateful Dead were always playing, and Janis mm-hmm. Joplin, a lot of energy there. Yeah. When I was living there, it was you would still there was still some of that vibe, but it was a little little grungier, a little um, less peace and love all the time, and more like a lot of people trying to sell you drugs on the street, you know. Mm. But it was it was uh, an energetic, vibrant place, in there. There was this store that I worked at that was like this haven on Hate Street, and you walked in, and it was this beautiful New Age world gift store, and there were – you could smell the nod chump, and there were people drumming in the corner and mm-hmm. beautiful candles and all this amazing merchandise from all over the world. And when I got the job there, I became the manager of the book section, right. and the book section was all – new age books, you know, it was all books about love and enlightenment and consciousness. And this was my first time really being introduced to this concept, really being introduced to the idea that rather than looking at what we do as a career, and how much money we're making as a means of success, what if we base our success on how how much love we're sharing with the world and how peaceful we feel inside. And it was so when you when you talk about reconnecting to love, that was a really that was a direct reconnection to this this idea that felt so right in my heart. And even though the whole concept of enlightenment was brand new to me at the time, I felt like I was coming home to something. And it was through that experience of that job and the people I was working with and all the conversations about love and kindness and compassion. That's that's what really started me on, on this path to
0: an open heart and living from love. Wonderful. And, you know, let me tell you, I could spend a lot of time at something like a new age gift shop, you know, because I can get lost and checking out the different crystals. Yes. Or maybe the essential oils or maybe checking out all these fascinating books that are available to read or maybe checking out some tarot cards And because of that reason, I end up spending a lot of time sometimes at the Vancouver Public Library or maybe some other, you know, gift shop because I'm really fascinated by how those different things make me feel and affect my senses and really make me thrive. And Action Tribe, if you're listening... To this episode right now if you're in that moment trying to figure out what to do with your life or maybe if you're in a job which doesn't make sense for you remember and realize that you have the choice within you to make a change just imagine what type of job or vocation or thing you'd like to do in your life it really you know pulls you in you know really inspires you now is the moment now scott uh, going back uh, you know uh, to the past your parents were murdered when you were 14 years old Take us back to that moment. How, how did it happen exactly?
1: Well, my, uh, you know, my parents had a market in Detroit where they, that they owned and where they worked each day. And they wa- arrived at their market one morning, and uh, their employee, a man, they walked in right after their employee had been stabbed by a man who was in the market with them, and he ended up killing my parents as well. He ended up shooting my parents. So, um, I mean, that's the, that's the logistics of how it happened, and obviously, that was a an earth-shattering moment mm-hmm. in my life and profoundly tragic moment. Um, I was lucky to be; I'm lucky to be the youngest of seven children, six of whom are living because my brother did pass away uh, many years ago as well. Um, but having a a big family and a close family. Uh, made a huge difference in term for me mm-hmm. in terms of how I was able to move forward but when it happened truthfully i I just buried the experience I buried the grief I moved on with my life I was a you know a straight a student and a popular kid and about once a year I would have a meltdown you know where I would cry 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 and it was usually brought on by too much to drink and mm-hmm. you know some conversation that might have triggered it and my inhibitions were down and I would sob and then lock it all away again and just move on. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, I write it in Big Love. I think it's, and I believe in my life, it's very important to look at our pain honestly and to confront it and be real with it and grieve and cry and, and rage and do whatever we need to do to um to grieve whether it's the loss of a loved one or the loss of a relationship or whatever trauma whatever heartache we're experiencing in our lives i don't ultimately think we serve ourselves by not facing it and being real with the emotions that it brings up at the same time i feel incredibly grateful that when i was a 14 year old i i and I don't even think I consciously did it, but something, some divine, something divine happened where I was able to just truly lock it away and not face it, because I don't believe that at the time I would have been able to really confront all the grief and the trauma at that age, and just the the magnitude with which it changed my world. So it wasn't really until the, when I started that job and I started reading those books um, in my early twenties. 20- early to mid-20s when I really started to look at the loss of my parents and look at the way they died and look at all the pain and um, sorrow it caused. And by doing that, that's in part what also helped me to approach my life differently because I, I believe very deeply that some part of me was also shut off to connecting with people as deeply as I could because when we shut ourselves down to feeling the real pain that's inside we're also shutting ourselves down to feeling the real joy that's inside because you can't and that's not to say you're not i didn't have a lot of joyful happy moments but when you when you put walls up energetically to your experience of the world you can't selectively choose to just block out the darkness you're also blocking out the light and i I found that only when I've opened myself up to the full breath of feeling and relating to everything that's going on within, from my deepest sadness to my greatest joy, only when I allow for all of it, do I move forward in my life with um, with the possibility of of experiencing the whole that life has to offer,
0: if that makes sense. Got it, got it. So, so where were you when this incident happened?
1: I was staying, I, I had spent the weekend with my sister, and oh. actually, my sister and brother in law and my nephew. And we, my brother in law had a, a deli. So when we heard news that, uh, we heard news that my parents' car was parked outside their store, yeah. but that the store wasn't opened, you know, long after the store should have been opened, my one sister and I drove to my brother's restaurant. Our brother-in-law's restaurant and another sister worked there and we kind of congregated there as we uh waited to hear more because we knew in our gut something was very wrong right. you know none, none of the situation made sense in the area where their store was it wasn't a particularly safe area of Detroit at the time and mm-hmm. you know so in your gut you feel like something's horribly amiss sure. and you just hope that it's not the worst thing that you can imagine and it mm-hmm. ended up being the worst thing that we could imagine
0: So how did this particular incident of losing uh, your parents, how did it change you as a person?
1: Wow, it's a tough question only because it's hard to know how you would have been. Otherwise, if that makes sense, I only know my experience of being a 14-year-old whose parents were murdered. Um, But I I do think when when, when I look at, when I consider the greatest gift that came from it, I know that that's... My capacity for empathy and for compassion, you know, we, we focus a lot on, we, we tend to focus a lot on trying to be as happy as we can be in this life. And I think there's a lot of beauty that comes Mm -hmm. from joy in living a life with as much joy as possible. Um, but I've, because of the sadness that I went through and the grief and that loss, I feel like I got to connect with, um, traumatic loss at a very young age and for most of my life because of that. And it allows me to connect deeply with others who are going through grief. And I, I I know the gift of that because I also recognize that when people are, when I'm talking about things like forgiveness and the way that I was able to forgive my parents' killer, People who are listening to my message of forgiveness know that I'm not speaking from a light place. I'm not just forgiving the guy who cut me off in traffic. I'm speaking about forgiving the man who killed my parents and, and made me an orphan instantly. And I think that when we when we know that someone has been through something and can come from a place in their teachings or in their wisdom or in whatever it is they have to share from that, that place of deep loss, it... It can tend to impact people in a more profound way, if that makes
0: sense. Well, absolutely. I believe that when you lose something or when you experience this kind of pain, it allows you to, I guess, relate to other people who might be going through a similar challenge, right? I guess that is what empathy is all about. But uh, thanks a lot for sharing that uh, with me. Now, the other thing is, I mean, nine years later, I guess you were 23 at that point, Uh, your brother brother died of a. Heroin overdose, right? So, how did his death impact you?
1: Well, you know, his, in some ways, his life impacted me much more than his death. Not that his death didn't impact me, but at the time, my brother had been addicted. My brother was uh, 18 years older than I was. And as far as anyone knows, he was addicted to heroin by the time I was born. So my only ex- experience of my brother was as a man addicted to heroin. You know, that was, I didn't, I didn't know him as, uh, that was always the context with which I viewed my brother. So when he died, his, honestly, more than anything, I felt relief for him because I, I had only known him to be this a ad- Addicted man who was struggling so much living, you know, in and out of, of like smack houses and being in and out of jail. And, and it was what I, what I experienced at the time, a horrible life to be living. So I, I always knew I would be receiving a call someday from one of my siblings telling me that my brother Ricky had, had died. I, I always knew that would be a call that I would be getting. And in it, I don't know how else to say it, but in the moment, what I felt most was relief in that his, that, that painful life of struggle is over now and he's at peace. You know, I should say though, at the time, I also didn't believe my brother had the power to overcome his addiction. I only saw uh, addiction as an incurable disease at the time and not one that he had any power over. And I no longer view addiction through that lens Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely that believe that people, if if addiction were only an incurable disease, people would could never make the choice to move beyond it. So, though I do believe that people can become physically, emotionally, and otherwise addicted to um, to drugs and alcohol, yeah. I also believe that it's always within a person's power to to move beyond it. Um, not that that's easy <laughs> by <Yeah>. any means. <laughs> And I don't, yeah. I don't want to suggest that in any way. And I also don't believe that people have to make that choice to move beyond it. I believe that we we deal with this life however we're able to deal with this life. But I, I I no longer believe that my brother couldn't have made that choice for himself. And I'm sorry that I never got to see him make it for more than a handful of you know weeks or months at a time.
0: Got it. Now, now you 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 mentioned. The things that you were going through or the emotions that you were feeling you felt a a level of relief uh, knowing that at that time your brother could not really overcome that level of addiction right Uh, but also losing a family member is definitely a loss so how did you know at that point how did you how did you move on with life Uh, was there any sort of coping mechanism or some approach that you, you used to maybe change your focus or just to move on in life
1: you know, I think that um, there's a lot of talk when it when it comes to grief, and, and specifically the grief of losing uh, yeah. a person. There's this idea that there are these, you know, the five or seven, I don't, I'm not sure, the, the stages of grief that yeah. we're all supposed to go through, and this idea that you can find closure with your grief. And that's not really my experience around grief. And I, I think okay. we do a disservice to people to present this, um, structured idea of how you're supposed to grieve. Mm-hmm. I feel like there are not rules to grief. And I think that people grieve, however they grieve, and there's not really a right or wrong way to it. I also feel that, so for me, what what does that mean? It means like being as honest as I can be with what I'm going through. And if what I'm going through now is deep sadness and sorrow, then spend my days crying and if it's rage then allow for that rage because only when we i I found in my life and and again i speak from for myself from my own experience and if this resonates with you beautiful Um, but it's only when i have allowed myself to feel my emotions have i in any way been able to move beyond them and move through my life um, with more openness to experiencing other things and without without my emotions consuming me. So with, with grief, I don't feel like we find closure. I think that we move on because life moves on and mm-hmm. we come to see what I would say to somebody if, you, if you've if you lost someone recently and you're in that place that I think many of us find ourselves in it, it, immediately after a loss for who knows how long of feeling like we're never going to get beyond it, we're never going to see joy again, we're never going to be able to think about that person with, with with anything but deep sadness and my experience is that we do move on however we're able to move on we will find joy again and we do find joy again and I found with my parents and with my brother that I did get to a place where when I think of them it's not just with the painful heart and sorrow it's with, with joyful memories that actually bring a smile to my face and not just heartache and heartbreak and that's the thing I would just wanna to, wanna to say to people and, and remind people that however you need to grieve and whatever you need to go through within loss, that's your experience to have. But do know that you will not always live in the worst of that experience. You know, there that that the darkest of the dark does not last forever and you will get to the other side of that and that that pain will be integrated into your life in a different way that still allows you to move forward in your life.
0: Got it. So the way I look at it, and based on what you shared, only when you allow for the emotions to go through you, or maybe experience those emotions, uh, that you're able to associate that particular memory with the joy as you look back, right? So it seems like the emotions have like a cleansing effect on you, allow you to heal from that experience. And then you look at Whatever that loss is, as joy.
1: That well, I absolutely believe that when we allow ourselves to feel our emotions, that is is one of the paths to healing. Because, mm-hmm. and I'll I'll speak about addiction specifically. And I I believe AJ, we live in an incredibly addicted society. If you're not a person who considers yourself addicted to drugs or addicted to drinking, like there's a good chance that you have addictive tendencies towards something, towards mm-hmm. social media toward television toward shopping toward gambling whatever it is we 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 want to numb ourselves from feeling and that's when i speak about avoiding feeling our feelings when we're numbing from that that is that's what people who are addicted are doing they don't want to feel their emotions they're trying to escape whatever reality is going on in their lives and we turn to whatever we turn to in order to make that escape but but when we do that Our feelings have total control over us. They're controlling us by us doing everything in our power to avoid feeling them. So I found that when I actually allow myself to feel them, instead of creating all these different diversions to avoid feeling them, I'm actually serving myself and they will move through you. Feelings are designed to be fleeting. You know, they're not designed to stay with us, you know, 24-7.
0: Got it, got it. Thanks for sharing. Now, later on in life, you also joined a cult. Uh, is that correct? That is correct. <laughs> what, what what sort of cult was this?
1: Well, it's, you know, it was a suburban, like Bay Area, California cult. It was mm. a, there was a a guru, a cult leader, a teacher, whatever, however you would want to title him. And I was one of his um, his followers. You know, and and he he was teaching, preaching a path of enlightenment. And this was at a time when I saw enlightenment as my greatest goal.
0: Okay.
1: And, and I saw him as a truly enlightened being who was able to offer um, a path to that reality. Um, and I was, you know, his student for 13 years at it, it times incredibly intimately so when I was living in the Bay area and, and my life was really built around um, my time with the community and taking care of our teacher and meeting for gathering for student meetings and gathering sure. for social meetings. And, and that was my life was this spiritual community. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, that so that's how kind of how I got involved. Basically I, I met a man that I felt was enlightened and I mm-hmm. wanted to learn from him. And I left when I, you know, I worked hard to convince myself that he was enlightened. Um, even when I saw actions that felt like they were much more aligned with the ego than they were with Mm. any sort of deep clarity and love. And I finally realized that this wasn't really the path that I wanted to be walking on. And he, I didn't believe him to be the person that I thought he was. Um, Got it. and I decided to, you know, leave after I mean it was a, a imagine this was really the closest knit. It was this was like my family. You know, these yeah. were the people closest to me in my life. So walking away from him I knew that I was also risking losing all of my closest friends, or most of my closest friends. And I did end up losing all of them because he um he instructed them to remove me from their lives.
0: So really quickly, uh, how did you get to know about this cult? Was it a friend that told you about it, or did you read about it somewhere? How did you first people
1: come I befriended? It? Yeah, it was people I befriended who were just okay. really beautiful souls, and they, you know, kept talking about their master, their guru. Mm-hmm. So eventually, uh, and they kept, they credited everything about their li- everything good in their lives they credited to this man. Mm-hmm. So eventually. I was like I can I meet him <laughs> you know when can I meet him he sounds yeah. incredible. Yeah. And that that was what you know how I got involved with him.
0: Got it. Got it. So you did spend some time you spent about 13 years right and you sort of made friends you it was like family to you uh and and you were pretty involved but then it seems you noticed some trends uh, you noticed something amiss and you felt that uh you know the decisions or the way he was leading life was more driven by his ego rather than true qualities of someone who is enlightened.
1: As I saw it, yes, in mm-hmm. in not all. The, and this isn't to suggest. I also believe that he has a, he's a very loving man with a lot of love to give. Yeah, but I, I at the same time he's professional himself to be someone yeah. he's not, you know. So there's a, a very deep dishonesty there that's happening at the same time, and it's a, it it can and I watched it have a, an incredibly negative effect on people. And um and for me, I feel like I was always, even though I was deeply involved with the cult, I was still yeah. I still maintained friendships outside of it. I didn't, my, my life was, on the one hand, very much about that community, but not so much that if I didn't have that community, I would be friendless and without sure. anybody, yeah. you know, so in some ways I was able to move on, I think, a little more, um, for lack of a better word, peacefully. I mean, it was incredibly traumatic losing my friends the way I lost them, um, incredibly traumatic, um, but yeah. uh, I still had other support. If that, Mm -hmm. you know, um, but there, you know, this is is what I, what I've realized is these types of cults. I mean, they're not the, the types that you're necessarily reading about on the news. Like they're not, there's not Kool-Aid involved and you know, it's, it's not, there aren't crimes involved, but there is the potential for, you know, a, a, a deeply kind of insidious this undercurrent that is affecting people so you know in 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 negative ways you know in in somewhat harmful ways depending on who the person is um, but I also try to recognize that the you know his disciples who are still following him would would have a very different story to share
0: about their experience
1: do you know what I I mean, I, and I, well, try, to, I try to <laughs> honor that at the same time, um, yeah. but also recognize that there's a lot of manipulation and there's a lot of deception and a lot of lying that was going on in my experience of this community.
0: Got it, got it.
1: As well as a lot of love. You know, like like they're they're also a lot of loving people, you know. Yeah. And this is what the choice they're making. Oh,
0: absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, I think, you know, when people are within a cult or within an organization, uh, we each tend to create our own reality, right? And so their reality is through that filter. And so for someone from outside, you know, uh, any statement or any story might seem against their reality. And this happens... Uh, you know, although I'm based in Vancouver, uh, Canada right now, it tends to happen all across, right? Even in India, they have these gurus or these leaders who uh, attract people, and the people think it's great initially. But then there's there are some some of these inconsistencies or some of these anomalies that shouldn't happen in a cult that take that take place, and then they feel like you know leaving, and it becomes difficult to leave because uh, what I've read is you know the human. A human is always wanting to be a part of a tribe, right? Whether the tribe is a church or a gym or a membership or a gang even. And there's definitely some attraction, that quality that attracts people to this group. Now, when it does not resonate with them, sometimes it becomes so difficult to leave because obviously everything your social bond is connected to that group. So my question to you is, how did you fill that emptiness or maybe that lack of connection in your life as soon as you experienced the vacuum of not being a part of that cult? Because I'm it's, sure you were drawing from it as well, right? Yeah, it's
1: a great question. And it, it's, um, I mean, I would say that I filled it through other connections and other relationships I had. But if if I'm honest, I don't feel like I've, filled what i had there in quite the same way because that was you know these were like my spiritual brothers and sisters and i was with them all the time and we were talking about Mm -hmm. again at the time it was always about enlightenment and wanting to be enlightened and how far we were from it and what was keeping us from it so there was room and and availability for these types of conversations all the time like there was always someone who wanted to go deep spiritually yeah and And that's not not, that's not how most people are.
0: So I do. You won't be able to have those conversations with other people, right? (laughs) No, it's not
1: all the time. And the truth, but the truth Mm -hmm. is, I was sick of having those conversations. (laughs) (laughs) Really and truly, I mean, I I loved having access to those types of connections with people, but it just became too much. It was so everything was about that all the time, and at some point. I mean, my quote earlier about unplugging, it's like at some point you have to unplug for that and allow yourself just to live your life and to appreciate the moments you're having without always focusing on how you're not enlightened and and, and everything you need to do to become enlightened. And, you know, it just becomes – it became exhausting, and I didn't feel like I was nearly as – present as I could be in my life, in my effort to be more present, <laughs> you know, so it was, this, oh, absolutely it was this strange dichotomy. <laughs> so I, you know, I grieved it a long time, though, to answer your question, I grieved that the the community a long time, I still have moments where I miss, it was such a unique kind of connection, which ultimately wasn't healthy, but when it felt healthy, it felt really good. Um, but I find, you know, I, I have, I am lucky to have some, you know, really good, close friends who are are you know are spiritual in their own when I say spiritual are committed to becoming more loving human beings and are open to talking about what that means and so I find that in other places and my Facebook community is actually amazing has served this amazingly especially uh, when they started doing the Facebook live videos because I do those videos quite regularly and it's a way to connect live and in the moment with people from all over the world who are tuning in to talk and, and, and vibe on the energy of love and compassion and creativity. And those really serve me. They're really beautiful.
0: Got it. So, Scott, our show attracts some of the most hardworking people, who I call as action takers, and our group is called Action Tribe, people who are going through different challenges in their life, whether it's a health challenge, maybe they've di- been diagnosed with a disease, or maybe they want to lose some weight, they want to transform their life, they want to find a new job, or maybe just provide for their family, and they're going through challenges. So what advice do you have for a listener listening to the show right now who might be going through pain or grief uh, or, 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 or some sort of a challenge or some sort of a failure that they perceive in their life?
1: Well, you know, I think that it's really important. It has become really important for me when I, when faced with big changes, you know, when faced with challenge, whatever type of challenge, usually what comes up right away are all the different fears that are related to that challenge. So a fear of the unknown, a fear of change, a fear of being judged. You know, we, all of these different fears that enter our lives, enter our minds that can tend to keep us from moving forward and taking the action steps that we need to take to create, um, a more fulfilling life or the prospect for greater health and happiness in our lives. And what I like to remind people is, um, a couple things. One that, you know, I have a chapter in the book about fear and what I've learned about my fear is to have a very different relationship with it because I viewed my fear as this Tyrant for most of my life and i've cowered to my fears wills So when I wanted to take a big step or make a big change Maybe quit a job that I knew was making me miserable Or do something for my health and well-being but was afraid I wasn't going to be able to do it correctly I I would let the fear win the fear would say this is going to hurt this is going to be uncomfortable You're going to be judged. So I wouldn't take steps forward Now what I realize is that my fear is just trying to protect me. That's fears job But my fear doesn't have a lot of emotional intelligence (laughs) with which to do its job. It views, you know, I've come to find that my fear, when it's giving me signals, it views, you know, running into a burning building the same way it views having a difficult conversation that you know you need to have. It doesn't make a distinction. It sees the same thing as un uncomfortable. And so it tells you, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. So when I realized that my fear was just trying to protect me, but that it wasn't incredibly smart in the way it goes about doing it, instead of seeing my fear as a bully, I kind of view it as this like annoying little child that I can shoo away. And it doesn't control my choices the way it used to. It sits kind of in the sidecar rather than taking the steering wheel. And one way that we can, when one way that I've learned to look at these big, scary things in my life is to deconstruct them instead of, you know, we are basically at letter A and whatever it is we're trying to move through or get through in our lives is Z, but instead of recognizing that we don't have to jump from A to Z in making smarter choices for our health or in finding a new job, we don't have to jump from A to Z we only need to take ourselves from A to B and when we recognize A to B might literally be doing a Google search for something, mm. or sending out a simple email to someone or making one phone call, those types of actions are much more palatable to our fear. And they those types of actions we can do. And once we're at B, all we need to do is take the next step from B to C. But suddenly we find ourselves at R or S or T, and our ultimate goal of Z is starting to get a lot closer. So I really encourage people to de- deconstruct whatever it is whatever that big situation or that big hurdle is deconstruct it break it down and don't try to don't try to take it all on at once just take it step by step and the other thing that i really encourage people to do is knowing that whatever that step is going to be knowing that it's going to be uncomfortable because change is always uncomfortable making making a, a big change in our lives is always un- uncomfortable. Facing big challenges is always uncomfortable. But we can still take the time to deconstruct them and figure out, well, knowing that it's going to be uncomfortable, how can I make it as comfortable as possible? A very simple example for me, like I can be a germaphobe. So riding, the, and I lived in New York City, riding the subway, I rode the, and I rode the subway all the time. And it was never totally comfortable because there was always a part of my mind that was focused on what are my hands touching where are all these germs coming from but what I could do is I could remember to bring you know a Purell with me so that when I got off the subway I could squeeze the antibacterial thing on my hands wash my hands and or I could wear gloves you know whatever choices I could make to make that subway ride more enjoyable rather than just saying you know what rather than go to brooklyn today i'm going to stay in because i don't want to have to deal with the subway and all the anxiety that it brings up for me you know because that that's what we do instead well okay i know i'm going to be anxious what can i do to lessen that anxiety so that i still move forward with my life and take that choice
0: thanks a lot for sharing now scott you mentioned earlier on that you have forgiven the person who murdered your parents is that correct that is correct So how did you arrive at that space that allowed you to forgive him? What did it involve?
1: Well, in one word, it's empathy. And that is truly the path for me. The path to forgiveness is empathy, supported by compassion. And both empathy and compassion, I think, are, are mandates of love. But it was only when I allowed, one, recognizing that my hatred towards him, my my inability to forgive him, my resentment, my blame, all of these things that I was feeling was in no way serving my health and well-being. It was in no way serving my peace of mind. Recognizing that, I also recognized, well, at some point, I will likely need to make myself available to forgiveness of this man. I, and I didn't know how at the time. But then when I started to recognize, like, okay, this man shot and killed by parents and killed their employee. Um, Nobody who's operating from any space of self-worth or self-love, nobody who feels seen, nobody who feels worthy, nobody who feels any of these things could ever make the choice that that man made. So though I can't connect to taking another person's life, I can absolutely connect to feeling, horribly unworthy i can connect to feeling unloved i can connect to feeling so angry that, that i wished someone would die i could connect to all those things in my own experience of being a human being so i i knew then that i could also connect to him in, in his humanity you know we're all the same basically aj i really believe that and it's it's uh, you may not you may not have had your parents murdered when you were 14 but i without knowing your story, I am 100% certain that you can connect to grief in your own life and in your own experience of it. So we both can connect to grief with one another. I don't need to know you to know that you can connect to feeling insecure and feeling unseen at different points in your life and on different levels. And it was when I was able to recognize that this man who murdered my parents is another human being who has had horrible struggles in his life, or he never would have gotten to this point when I was able to see that and feel that um, it made a pathway to forgiveness. And suddenly I was able to think about him without feeling hate and anger in my heart. It was with forgiveness. And then I was able to think about him with feeling love in my heart. And um, so if, if someone is out there wanting to forgive and not knowing how I would say two things, do you really want to forgive? Because if we don't really want to forgive, we're never going to find forgiveness. And if you really want to forgive, are you able then to look at the person that you want to forgive and to connect to their humanity? You know, try to imagine what it's like to walk in the shoes of that person and living life's experience through their eyes and their trauma and their struggle. Um, and if you're able to do that, I really believe at some point forgiveness will find you.
0: Wow! Thanks for sharing that. Now, Scott, how did the act of forgiving him affect you?
1: Oh, oh forgiveness is forgiveness is is one of the more powerful things I think that we can offer ourselves. <laughs> I don't I don't yeah. want to mislead and suggest it was this one. Because I didn't consciously in the moment decide I forgive him and that happened because I don't believe that's how forgiveness works. I don't believe we can just say, mm-hmm. OK, I want to forgive this person and then we're going to be blessed with forgiveness. It was it was for me more of a discovery of recognizing that, wow, when I after I was able to empathize with him, when I started to to think about him, I realized Wow, I'm thinking about him through the lens of forgiveness, and so it wasn't this one this one moment that I was aware of, but it was it's life changing. I mean, we all know what it's like to live without forgiveness. I believe when we're still caught up in that blame, um, and we all I think most of us know what it's like to forgive someone and it frees us from that blame it frees us from all those toxic emotions we're carrying on inside of us um it's free it's freedom forgiveness is freedom
0: so action takers to access the show notes for today's episode to read the inspirational quote book recommendations and other nuggets go to my7chakras.com forward slash 233 that's my7chakras.com forward slash 233 Start by doing what's necessary, then do what is possible, and suddenly, you are doing the impossible. This is a quote by Francis of Assisi, Action Tribe, deconstruct your fears, that's what we're learning today, break down your projects and take small steps towards your goal. I may not have met you yet, one-on-one, but I do know something about all you listeners. I know that you want to make a change in your life, but sometimes, as we're learning, making a change, a big change can seem overwhelming. And hard to do. And if you try too hard, you might end up giving too. Instead, take small steps. These small, manageable steps over a period of time build up just like a tidal wave, just like an avalanche leading to your transformation. But you need to start small and then attempt bigger projects. Taking action is like going to the gym. You got to start where you're at, then do a little more and then a little more until you get more disciplined and relentless. Because as we are reminded today by Francis of CC as well as Scott, the best way to start, the best way to achieve the impossible ultimately is by first doing what's necessary, then moving to what's possible, and finally taking on the impossible. And I know you can do it. So, so Scott, as you look back at your life, we've spoken about some major setbacks that you've gone through. But take us to a moment in your life when you face the biggest life challenge. How did you encountered it and what steps did you take to overcome that particular challenge uh,
1: you know I will well the biggest life challenge certainly was losing my parents and I talked a bit about that um so I'll, I'll, I I want to I'll talk about a challenge in the in the context which I, I think your listeners will appreciate because it's again it's in the context of fear and I think that um in these past years these past 3 4 years especially I have begun to share myself and share my creativity and share the wisdom that I've uh, gleaned from my life experience more than I ever had in my life. And at every point, it's come with a tremendous amount of fear of being judged, of being condemned, of you know, all of those different things. And what I've, what I've seen is that when we, when we show up in our authenticity as much as we're able... When we're able to share our truth with the world, put it out there, um, there is no saying how we're going to connect with other people in the world. And that what I've learned is that fear never disappears and that we we can never wait to reach a point of fearlessness because that's not likely to happen. But what we can do is start to recognize that we can continue to move forward. We- continue to we can continue to make braver choices and bring our fear along with us and so you know kind of to answer your question is just i'm getting over my uh my fear of being judged and condemned for who i am and i'm sharing myself in a way that i never shared myself before and i feel like by doing so i'm also helping to inspire others to share themselves and i'm creating um an avenue for others to offer their authenticity, and um, it's been a huge gift for me to see that the the power we hold by moving forward in our lives with fear.
0: So, based on your story, maybe in just one sentence, what is it? One major life lesson that you'd like to share with our community? Uh,
1: live in love as often as you can, um, and and when I say that, I simply mean to ask yourself the question throughout the day as often as you can how does love invite me to show up in this moment you know what does love invite me to say what does love invite me to do um because as much as i i find myself making choices that aren't rooted in love i'm deeply committed to to being a loving human being and every time i bring myself back to the energy of love i have been shown incredible gifts in this life and i don't believe I believe that the greatest choice we can make for ourselves, for our healing, and for our world is to choose love as often as
0: possible. Got it. Thanks for sharing. Uh, now you mentioned that over the last few years you've been, uh, you know, sharing your journey with your community on social media. You began to share your stories, and you said that you do live streams, express your creativity, you know, share your challenges and what you're going through. Uh, and along with that, of course, uh, you did uh, face some fear, fear of being judged, condemned, f- fear of you know somebody, you know, vocalizing the whatever emotion that comes out when they read your message. And uh, in major part, I go through that too, you know, when doing a podcast, when sharing my thoughts, my opinions, my views, uh, you, you know, because of the fact that social media gives everyone a voice, everyone can yes. say something good. Or people can judge you as well, and what people don't realize is, even though it's social media, it feels as if they're in front of you sometimes. Yes. And sometimes the messages and comments can hurt. Uh, and and you and like you rightly put, when you share these messages, when you share your story, you can't say for sure who will connect, who will not connect, who will get angry, and how the people will connect with your message, right? But the goal is to bring your fear along, and in the process, as you're taking action, as you're growing you sort of get over your fear as well. And people who resonate with your message will become part of your community. And of course, you have built such a huge community on Facebook uh, uh, you know, or through, through your consistent uh, messaging and authentic messaging. So thanks a lot for sharing. Oh, I really appreciate thank it. Thank
1: you so much, AJ. And I, I'm so grateful to be here. And I love, I love what you're doing. I'm so happy you have this podcast because you express yourself beautifully. I love what you're doing and how you're doing it. Thanks a lot.
0: Again, you know, it's an everyday process growing with each and every uh, episode and, you know, meeting people like you and as well as our community action tribe action tribe this is a quick reminder that if you've learned something new so far as i have then make sure you spread the word on your preferred social media platform twitter facebook or instagram what is it one thing you've learned on our show so far you can use the hashtags my seven chakra or hashtag action tribe so that i can find you and reply to your comment or post because as we know by writing something down it increases the likelihood that you will remember something that is shared even years down the line now before we move on let me ask you this have you ever tried something so many times that you wanted to give up maybe you're at that phase right now in your life you've tried to reduce weight you tried to heal a health condition or maybe overcome your fears that are holding you back or maybe trying to provide for your family and no much no matter how much you try you always seem to encounter these obstacles and if that is you then I have a message for you don't give up you are moving closer and closer with each try Make sure you learn from, from your mistakes or your perceived failures and try once again or take someone's advice or support. And because you're listening to this episode, I know that you are doing the needed. You are not alone. Everyone who has been successful in life or who has you know reached their goals has been where you are right now. And that's probably why Thomas Edison once said, our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is always to try just one more time. So try out whatever you're trying to attempt or trying to achieve one more time and with that we've arrived at the very last round Uh, which is called the wisdom round our regular listeners know this round very well which is basically like a rapid fire round consists of four questions so our listeners can take note and take action so scott what is the best advice that someone has ever given you? Uh,
1: there is no justification for lack of love.
0: Name one personal habit that keeps you. strong.
1: I would say um, walking. Honestly, like get it. One thing that that centers me the most is getting outside and taking walks, whether they be five, ten minute walks or hour long walks.
0: Amazing. So, what is your morning routine like? Do you have a morning routine that you follow these days?
1: It varies. It varies completely. I mean, I like to wake up and do my best not, because I'm a, I'm a definitely addicted to social media and my devices. So, when I'm when I'm in a a good conscious place, my morning routine involves, um, you know, a cup of tea and being quiet before I log on to anything. Um, maybe listening to uh, you know a podcast in the morning or doing a quick meditation and just kind of coming to life slowly and other days I completely blow that <laughs> so very
0: <embarrassing. laughs> <laughs> got it so name a book that you would like to recommend for our listeners today Tiny
1: Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed it's one of my favorite books it's it's absolutely
0: wonderful Cheryl Strade. I loved her first book a lot really loved it where she right, she's trekked along the Pacific Crest Trail. It was a beautiful story, and it was made into a movie as well. I yeah, not it's called movie, Wild,
1: but... and um, this, this ah. book, Tiny Beautiful Things, is actually she was a an advice columnist for an online publication called The Rumpus, and it's a okay. collection of her favorite letters and responses, and she, when she writes, she really channel such a deep clarity and also humor and um it's it's just it's it's really one of my favorite books Super. it's very special
0: so action tribe i know how much you love our book recommendations and i know that many of you get these books as soon as you share them hear them shared on our show uh and that's why audible.com is offering action tribe one free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so that you can get to check out their amazing service now in case you didn't know audible has many different titles, 180,000 titles to choose from for your different devices, including bestsellers like The Chakra System by Anadia Judith, Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda, and A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Uh, So instead of reading a book like I am doing these days, why don't you listen to a book on your commute you know on your way to work in the park whatever it is that's the new way of reading books which i'm loving these days to download your free audiobook today go to my7chakras.com forward slash free book once again that's my7chakras.com forward slash free book select your book and start listening so scott thank you so much for joining us today it was such an honor such a pleasure to chat with you and get to know you and uh, thanks for expressing your vulnerability uh, before you go tell us. One thing that you're grateful for and tell us how we can find you online.
1: Well, one thing I'm, thank you for having me, first of all, uh, big time. And one thing I'm grateful for, I would say, is connection with other open-hearted souls. That's one of my favorite things on the planet. So thanks for giving me an outlet for that today with you and with your audience. Um, And then as far as finding me, well, what I'll say my new book, Big Love, is also, also on Audible, and I, I'm doing the reading for it. So if you want to hear me read my book, it's there. Um, but you can find me on my website, which is ScottSteville.com, or join me on Facebook. That's where I do most of my uh, posting and messaging. And um, if you're so inclined, my book, Big Love the power of living with a wide open heart is available now
0: so there you go action tribe scottstabile.com sco double dot ecom that's where you can go and learn more about scott and find out more but uh, and this is something i didn't know but in case you want to listen to his book not read (laughs) but listen to his book and not all, all authors do it some authors have somebody else read their book but in this case scott himself is reading out the book to you what better way and the book is wonderful it's lovely i i have it in front of me right now beautiful red uh but if you want to listen to this book then go to my 7 com forward slash free book and just type in big love uh, and you can start listening that's all <laughs> uh,
1: thank you aj
0: <laughs> so 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 scott thank you so much for joining us today talking to us about the power of big love and the idea and power of a wide open heart and taking us one step closer to a human revolution
1: beautiful thank you so much have a beautiful day
0: you're listening to my seven chakras go to my s-e-v-e-n chakras.com download